Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I wanted to do something a little bit different for this solo episode and talk a bit about my faith. And I know that's come up kind of, you know, just tangentially to conversations. It's been kind of a background to some things. It's been context for other statements, but uh, for whatever reason, I just feel like it's been something of the elephant in the room of, you know, well, aren't you a Christian? Why are you speaking about the church? I have people that message me asking that. I've got people who reach out and say, you know, how are you a Christian and also doing this? Um, I have pastors who've accused me of attacking the church itself. And so I wanted to talk about my faith, the role it plays in the Preacher Boys podcast and kind of what that means for me. And just kind of share personally why I think that my faith is a vital part of what I do here on the show. Um, Again, this isn't going to be a preachy episode. Um, I'm not trying to Uh, convert anybody. I just wanted to share my perspective. And, you know, again, I find what I believe to be compelling. And if you do as well, that's amazing. Uh, If you are a Christian, I especially want this episode to be heard by you. If you're a pastor uh, who's questioned what I'm doing, I hope you'll listen as well. And if you're a non-believer who's wondering, you know, can I trust this guy? What's he trying to do? What's his agenda? I hope this is helpful for you as well. Um, So, Look, Bridger Boys was never meant to be just another Christian podcast. Uh, It was never to evangelize people. It was going to be the sneaky tool to get people into a church. Um, The goal's always been and will always be to allow people from all different walks of life, belief systems, etc., to share their stories of survival and their perspectives on their experience in the IFB without fear of judgment, uh, without any kind of discrimination, anything like that. And uh, like I said, sometimes it can feel like, you know, having all these conversations, I think people get the impression that, you know, my faith is kind of 
subjected to some other compartment or um, that, you know, I'm a Christian in this part of my life and then a podcast host about this, you know, anti, seemingly anti-church stuff on the other. And the truth is a lot of my motivation and a lot of my passion about this subject of abuse is fueled by my faith and fueled by what I believe scripture tells us about people, about how to handle situations. And so I just want to share four quick things. I know this sounds super sermon-esque, but I wanted to share four quick things from a Christian perspective that motivate the mission of Preacher Boys and uh, why I do what I do. First, I think it's important, and I think it gets missed a lot of times, that Christians are to recognize the dignity of all human beings. Uh, R.C. Sproul was a, a teacher, Presbyterian teacher that I learned quite a bit from uh, when I was kind of digging through and unpacking my faith for myself for the first time. And he says, dignity by biblical definition is tied to the biblical concept of glory. God's glory, his weightiness, his importance, his significance is what the Bible uses to describe the fountainhead of all dignity. And only God has eternal value and intrinsic, that is in and of himself, significance. I'm a creature that comes from the dust. The dust isn't all that significant, but I become significant when God scoops up that dust and molds it into a human being and breathes into it the breath of life and says, this creature is made of my image. God assigns eternal significance to temporal creatures. Thou shalt, we all know this verse, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your strength, and your, and your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And R.C. Sproul comments here, because God has endowed every human creature with value. So first of all, every human being has value, regardless of gender, race. And when you see that value discounted, when you see someone's value attacked or uh, beaten up, or you see something assaulting their value as a human being, Christians have a responsibility and Christians should be on the front line standing against that and defending people who are made in the image of God. Next, Christians are called to show compassion on those who are often the most marginalized. Uh, James one twenty seven uh, was kind of a game changer for me. I was a I was a missionary. Um, well, I don't even like saying that. I was part of a missions team um, early on, and I was working uh, doing media. I was out. I lived in India for uh, several months, and I was kind of you know, doing a lot of work related to missions. And one verse that really jumped out at us while we were kind of going from church to church, raising funds, trying to raise money for an orphanage and really struggling was James one twenty seven. It says religion that is pure and undefiled before God. The father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So when you know, when religion is biblically defined, it's not attending a certain service. It's not uh, wearing certain clothes. It is literally to reach out to the most marginalized in society. Uh, and it's represented here by uh, orphans and widows. And so James one twenty seven, I think, gives us a very clear picture of, you know, while the social gospel doesn't replace the true gospel, uh, to say that it's not a part of the Christian walk is completely disingenuous. And the next verse I want to just talk about was Matthew 25. Um, and I know this is a little bit abnormal, but I just wanted to cover this because it's something that I've been thinking about nonstop. Um, Matthew 25, 40. Uh, this is getting into the final judgment with the son of man. He says, and the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did it to me. And 45, 
truly I say unto you, as you did not do it to one of the least of me of these, you did not do it to me. And so there's, again, a very heavy emphasis that goes into, you know, the role of the Christian to reach out to those who have been hurt. And with the Bridge Boys podcast, it's often minors. It's people who are subjugated as women to abuse people on account of all different uh, reasons that people are treated terribly. And so I think that it's responsibility of the Christians. It's responsibility of everyone who considers themselves to be evangelical, however you want to describe yourself, to care for and show compassion on those who have been marginalized. And I try to do that often with this show. And next, this is number three, Christians are called to recognize the authority of the judicial system. Romans 13, one through five says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of his conscience. And I think this is something that you hear a misguided approach to in a lot of independent Baptist churches is this, the sword rather than being given to the government is held by the pastor. The decisions about what kind of punishment is going to be carried out is given to the pastor, the decision of how to handle a sexual abuse case involving a minor is handled by the pastor. And can I tell you, I, I'm a conservative. I'm a right wing man. I'm a, I'm crazy. I think the government ought to be out of everything except I believe the government ought to regulate the amount of pepperonis that get put on pizza uh, because I think I get, I get, I get shortchanged on that quite often. It makes me upset. Amen. And the Bible's super clear that the sword is in the hands of the government and you should have no fear of the one who's in authority. Um, I think of so many times I hear of cases where, you know, sexual abuse is not uh, reported because they'll, they'll say, Oh, well, the government's going to use that as, as an excuse to shut down our Christian school, or the government's going to use that as an excuse to attack our church, or we're going to lose our nonprofit status or fill in the blank. And the reality is the scripture specifically speaks to that. And there is a process established by scripture of going to the government and trusting in the authority of the government to seek out justice. And in most churches, justice just isn't done. It's buried. It's kept swept under the rug. It's handled, or should I say mishandled by the pastor and the deacons. And we're going to do everything in our power to honor our stupid government and our ridiculous uh, governor. And we're going to try and do the right thing. And so Christians need to revert back to the biblical teaching of recognizing the authority of the judicial system and the government powers that be above us. And then number four, uh, so we talked about Christians must recognize dignity of human beings. Christians are to show compassion on those who are the most marginalized. Christians are called to recognize the authority of the ju judicial system. And lastly, number four, Christians are called to expose corrupt leaders publicly. In 1 Timothy 5, 20 through 22, it says, as for those, and this is referring to elders within the church, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. 
don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. So in the sending out of different leaders, um, nor take part in the sins of others, keep yourself pure. And, uh, man, I mean, this, this alone here is such a shock. Uh, it's, it's such a, um, seemingly controversial concept. The idea that leaders who have consistently rejected um, God's order for the church, that have rejected even society's order for how children are to be cared for, for how women are to be treated, and persist in these consistent sins of abuse and adultery, etc., they're supposed to be exposed. And they're supposed to be Rebuked, literally, the Bible says, in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Never, never be involved with tearing down. You see, but the, the leadership is like, it's like Saul, he's out of control. But, but he's still God's anointed. And when God is done with him, God always removes him. Well, I'm going to sign a petition. Well, I'll sign it with you. I won't sign it with you. I want to stay. I wouldn't I want, I want get involved with that stuff. I'm not suggesting ever, ever, ever we cover sin. I'd be very careful about lifting your hand. Most of the lifting of the hand is because I was offended. I wasn't chosen to sing. I wasn't chosen to serve in this capacity. Or I'm not a limelight person. Or I wasn't used in this or that. I'm upset because I'm offended because you look past me. And it's amazing how something like that festers. I've been really heartbroken at the almost glee that some people have had over Christians who confess sin. Confess sin in a court of law. We're sentenced by a court of law. Are in jail by a court of law. Christians! And instead of people mourning it, being quiet about it. They're publicizing it. I knew it. I knew that man. I knew that woman. I knew they weren't sincere. Blah, blah, blah. Attack, attack. Rejoice, rejoice. Well, God says that person is going to rise up again. As a good Christian, if we don't smash them to smithereens, dancing on their grave, so to speak, on their hospital bed and do them in, as a good Christian, God still has a will for their lives. And so what I hope Preacher Boys does with some of these cases is that when a pastor is brought down, when a pastor's sin and and harm toward another person is exposed, that it will f- fire this huge flare into the sky that tells other pastors who might be considering or engaging in the same activity that you're next. If you're going to lead your church in a way that's harming your congregation— you need to be in fear. You need to be literally awake at night trembling that someone's going to call you out. So I just want to kind of point those out. And as a Christian, you know, it's not that Preacher Boys is in this compartment here and my faith is over here. The two are symbiotic. And I think faith affects every area of your life. And the reality is I think that too few Christians allow their faith to actually show them how to handle these kind of situations, particularly involving abuse. Like I said, Christians who say that they believe in what scripture says, who say that they believe in the inherent dignity of human beings should be the first one speaking out when there's problem in the church. They should be the first one saying that does not represent what the Bible tells us Christianity should be. They shouldn't say, oh, hey, that's not all Christians. That's not this. Oh, it's not your Aunt Susie's business 
what we do in our church. The Me Too movement doesn't own this pastor. The culture does not decide what this church does and where it stands. They should say, if you're calling yourself a Christian and acting in disagreement with the scripture, you need to be put out from us. You need to have the swift arm of the law brought down upon you, and you need to be uh, rebuked publicly so that other people who are getting the idea of abusing someone, of hurting someone, will know that that's not going to fly. It's not going to happen, and there's no longer going to be this boys club or this preacher boys club around them, surrounding them and protecting them from the quote unquote outside world. If someone's abusing a child, if someone's abusing anybody, they're not part of the Christian denomination. And when we treat them like that, when we, when we embrace them in our fold, even when they're acting in disagreement with what Christianity is basically fundamentally about, then we're hurting our own religion, we're hurting our own belief system, and we're hurting our chance of actually being effective in any in any way as believers. And so we need to be quick to remove these predators from the fold. We need to be quick to call out what they're doing as sin, and we need to be quick to bring in law enforcement to bring down the sword that has been given to them by God himself. And so if you're a Christian and you're on the fence about what I'm doing, you feel like maybe I'm I'm compartmentalizing and putting my faith here and then just doing this show that seems to be aggressive toward the church. I love the church. And that's one of the reasons I do this show. I say I love the church, but I struggle to be a part of most churches. I've struggled to find churches where I feel like all of the things I just mentioned are really done in a meaningful way. And so when I say I love the church, I love what the Bible says the church is supposed to be. But the sad reality is most American evangelical churches don't reflect anything in any of these pages that I just read. They don't reflect any of the points that I hit here. And so if you're a pastor, think about these points, think about these verses and how you can make your church align with what scripture says about how to handle these cases. And I think if you'll do that, I think you'll recognize a lot of what I'm doing. Am I perfect? No, but I think the show is a reflection of what I believe. And I'm just trying to live in accordance of what the Bible, which I do find compelling says about how to handle these cases. So I know this is a super different episode. I'm usually not the one that cracking open my Bible for a, for an episode of preacher boys, but uh, I've had so many questions and comments made derogatory about me um, because people feel like I'm abandoning my faith or people who, you know, just don't understand like how is a Christian dealing with these topics. And uh, I just wanted to cover this because these are thoughts that just are in my mind all the time. Um, just, Honestly, even if you just get that first point, the dignity of human beings, I think that you'll have so much of a upper hand on so many people who claim to be uh, part of the Christian religion and denomination. Because um, let's be honest, the denomination itself has been pretty embarrassing as of late, and uh, there's a lot of work we need to do to restore the church to a biblical foundation. But anyway, guys, thank you so much. I know this was a totally different episode, um, totally random, but I kind of like that about these solo episodes. I can kind of dive into stuff that's a little bit abnormal for the show. Uh, but anyway, I, I hope you guys appreciate that episode. Appreciate my heart there and what I'm trying to share with you and look forward to seeing you back on a normal interview episode tomorrow uh, with Shelly Snow Pordia. It's going to be a really great episode. And uh, let me know if you guys have anything you want me to cover in a solo episode. I'd love to do so. Uh, just go ahead and reach out to the Preacher Boys Facebook page. Go to the group and leave a suggestion there. I'd love to cover it then. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for watching and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, 
please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.